fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. Patrick, it's it's Star Trek 6. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's like you hear this music and you immediately know what Star Trek movie this is. Oh, yes. Shut it. And vocal. Like, you don't get a lot of vocals in Star Trek music. Yeah. Like, that's that doesn't tend to happen as much. That kind of like, you know, people would comment and be like, Duel of the Fates was big because it was the, one of the first times you had, you know, noticeable vocals in, mm-hmm. other than, like, the Emperor's theme at the end of... Return of the Jedi and things like that. Yeah. Just, you didn't hear other it very much the, in Star Wars and then Star Trek, same kind of thing. You didn't really get other than the other than the original series with the door right. which I think was a voice. That wasn't mm-hmm. some kind of treatment to a No, I think it was a voice, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, man, you're right. It's uh it's cool. It's cool. It's a cool theme. And we'll we'll talk more about the music later, but it's like very like this movie too, like the tone of this movie is is darker and more serious than the last several movies you've gotten from Star Trek, and the music fits perfectly with that. It does. You know, I, I, I find that there's going to be a lot in this movie that really adds a gravitas to the story, yeah. right? Like um, the use of Shakespeare, okay? Yeah. Like In, in I, its I original Klingon. In the original Klingon. Right. I, I think that's a cool... I think that's a cool dynamic, yeah. right? Um, th- there's uh, the sets. I mean, the sets look very high end. You know what I'm saying? Um, I want to read one of the, I'm jumping into the uh, um, trivia, but I want to say that this was the first set that they used actual computer monitors on or whatever, mm. um, or something like that. I had some technical thing, but the sets even kind of had that up there, you know? Um, just the the whole thing, the topic matter, which I don't want to jump the gun too much, but even the way they treated the ship, you know, like, like you see a little bit, it leans a little bit more into the um, naval ship in space kind of thing where there's chimes and now hear this and you see crew quarters and the crew mess and all that kind of thing. So yeah, there there was a lot that just gave this movie a little bit more of a, mature mature is the wrong word i don't know what the right word is but there's a lot that gave this movie a little bit more gravitas and i think the the soundtrack definitely did 
Yeah. I have a, I have a funny, well, we got to get going with our intro and everything else, but I do have a funny story about something I posted up on Facebook a while ago. And I don't know if too many people got the joke at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, and it did for some reason, this just popped into my head when, when I was watching this uh, a few days ago, again, um, Star Trek six, I'm talking about, um, it's, and I pulled it up on Facebook. I'm like, I got to find exactly what I wrote because it was like, it, you always laugh about how you tried to do your Sean Connery impersonation. And then there was just crickets. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. I tried to make a super nerdy joke on Facebook and it was pretty yeah. much like crickets. Like nobody responded to it. Nobody. Awesome. Like, I'm sure people were laughing at it, but they're like laughing because they don't really know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, so we kind of had like to the a shout out to the uh, greatest gen podcast. You had an all I do is bits. Bit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it was a bit and it was a bit that like nobody got. Um, so I used to have this Superman T-shirt that came with a cape that you could attach and detach from the T-shirt. Okay. Right. So it was this was uh, May 7th of 2016. It was free comic book day. So I'm like, all right, I'm wearing my Superman shirt. The problem was, I think the cape had torn or broken or something. So I didn't have the cape anymore, but I still had the T-shirt. Now, the way that the T-shirt and the cape attached to each other is because it had a couple of black Velcro strips on the shoulders. Mm -hmm. And that's, you'd Velcro the cape on. But when you didn't have the cape on, it was just a Superman T-shirt with a couple of the uh, black Velcro strips on the shoulder. Yeah. And so I put on Facebook, I'm like, this morning I put on my Superman t-shirt because it's free comic book day, but it's the one that comes with a cape attached with Velcro. I'm wearing it without the cape today, which leaves the little black Velcro strips on my shoulders. In the back of my mind, I'm wondering, what will people think when they see these black strips on my shoulders? My brain responds by telling me, it's okay. Just tell them it's for tracking you when you're exiled to Ruripente. I know. Please make sure you say a special prayer for Sharon this Mother's Day. She has great kids, but she lives with me. Oh, man. And no one got it. Like, it nobody's nobody's going to get the like the black strip on the shoulder yeah. and your Ruripente tracking device. Yeah, I would. I'm just not on. I know you're not face. on. The, you're on the face space. I, I'm not on face space. Uh, I, that's that's hard, man. I would have gotten my face, it. My face tube. You would have gotten it. Uh, emotional or uh, consolation prize. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You would have gotten it. I, um, I trust you. But yeah. All right, well, we are the 30-something movie podcast. Uh, yes, we we're are. talking. We're talking Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered yes, Country. Yes, we are. Uh, we're we're going to discover all the countries tonight, mm-hmm. is, is how this is going to go. Um, spoiler alert, we spoil. This is your only warning. Yes. Uh, we are part of the Scene Stealers Podcast Network. This episode is sponsored by Scene Stealers International Convention Agent. They've got a top-class roster of a lot of 80s, 90s, um, a lot of Cobra Kai folks on there, you know, all kinds of stuff. So um, if you are wanting to book some folks for your Comic-Con or event, go check them out, www.scenestealersglobal.com. Then you can hop on over to our website as well, 30podcast.com. You can leave us a rating. You can leave a voicemail. You can become a co-executive producer of the show via Patreon. Um, Any level of support there on Patreon gets you access to monthly episodes that we do that are extra, uh, Patreon exclusives, and uh, we're trying to do a few more than just the monthly ones too. So uh, there are different levels at which you can support the show and get involved in the show uh, personally, but uh, any level gets you that bonus content. So head on over to our website, 30podcast.com, and then you can find the links to uh, check out our Patreon stuff there. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got with me this evening um, the, 
what ambassador do you want to be? Do you want to be Romulan? Do you want to be Klingon? Do you want to be? <sighs> you know, I, that's hard, man. That's hard. I, I I'm not going to say. I mean, uh, facial feature wise, you've got you've got the bald head kind of. I mean, right. you, you look a little bit, little bit like the Romulan ambassador Nunclus. I could be him. Yeah, but he was one of the bad guys, right? He was one of the weasels. He was one of the weasels. So I didn't want to. Mr. I didn't want to put you in that camp because yeah, I don't, I don't think Mr. President. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to believe. I I don't know, man. I don't know. I sometimes um, sometimes I say that at work. Yeah, I, I can <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, folks, I, I, I don't know what to believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking of a lot we can yeah. follow up that work joke with. Yeah. Some of the let's, lines let's, from the different ambassadors and all that kind of stuff. Let's fa- let's um, fast forward to our review of uh, Forrest Gump. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> the King on Klingon <laughs> Chancellor is dead. I you know, I don't know what I don't know which guy I'd want to be. You know, mm-hmm. the one guy that Klingon uh the Klingon guy He's good. They had him in four Star Trek four and mm-hmm. six. And it's like when he appears on screen, you know, everyone is going not this guy again. Cause yeah. he was so good in that. And the way he comes on, like he comes off, like he comes on for, it's like enters from stage left, Yeah, you know? So it's like, like, um, I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's like yeah. an action shot. Like he's already, it's like, yep, he's already wound up. There he goes again. Mm-hmm. You know, you let him get fired up. Yep. And, uh, it, are you, that's are you talking fun. about uh, Klingon Ambassador Kamarog? Yeah. Yeah, played by John yeah. Chuck. Yes. yes, yes, that's the guy. The yes. Klingon k- killed by James T. Kirk. James T. Kirk, on, the architect of the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on his way, right, uh, on his way to see you on a mission of peace. Mm-hmm. Like, the way he just can layer his lines, he just, he has the outrage down so well. But you're right, it's like the first time you see him, it's always like you're panning from, like, stage left. Yes. Like he's stepping in from somewhere, like to give his dramatic lawyery speech. Right. right. And his, you his, new know name, his new name from now on is uh, Brigadier Stage Left. That sounds good. That's he, what I'm calling him. And he, he is so good, or he's been established in four. Like, yeah. you know what he is from the voyage home because, hold, hold, behold the architect and these things. You know, he goes mm. off this and remember these words. There shall be, you know, all that. Like, you know, this guy. Mm. And so it's like, yep, there he is again, yeah. you know. Oh, man, he's so much fun. I, I don't care what uh, alien race I am. I kind of want that dude as my ambassador. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's solid. Yeah. He's solid. It's always it's always fun to see, like, the Klingon ambassador. Yeah. Or, like, a Klingon lawyer. You yeah. know, there's that Deep Space Nine. So you get to see their take on those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know which ambassador I want. Sarek's pretty cool, okay. you know. All right. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I got, I don't know. I'm not ready to answer questions. It's not three the, questions. You want to be the, the stoic Vulcan type ambassador there? Yeah. You know, you always want to be the complete antithesis of who you are. Yeah. Like me, stoic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Okay. The Vulcan ambassador that always eats while standing up. That could be. Whichever alien race that is. Yes. Or or the seaweed people that we see later on in the scenes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what some of those aliens were. My whole family, though, was my whole family was chuckling at all the different ways that you could possibly clap at the end. Yeah, like I know the, all the awkward clapping and the, yeah, yeah. Just remember, not everybody has knees in the same place. Right. Not <laughs> not not everyone puts their applause in the same place. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we got to talk about some of the bits. That was in, in this movie was, too. That was the most memorable scene for me as a kid. Oh yeah. I'm like, uh, in his kneecap. Yikes. Yeah. I'm, I just, I think at that point when this movie came out, I had just gotten a skateboard, and I kept yeah. falling on my knees a lot. I was like, wow, that would. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. No. You need to get different sort of pads. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we're going to get into all that. Um, yes, we are. And, uh, and and talk all about that stuff. But uh, before we do that, I was going to ask you, I know I texted this out the other day. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it. I don't know if you'd seen it before. Um, I had discovered the documentary Chaos on the Bridge. Uh, so I... Have you, have you seen that one? And before I say that... Is this also one that you have seen and like told me about months ago? And I'm like, hey, I just discovered this brand new thing. <laughs> Is that like the thing when you tell someone the joke that they told you? Yeah. Um, no, I can definitely say not. I want to say I either started it yeah. or it's like I started it and then I never got a chance to finish it or I, Yeah. So that is on the list. I know, you know, the other thing making its rounds is the Val Kilmer oh, a documentary. So I'm, I'm it. Some of it's tough. It's tough to watch. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just sad. Like, yeah. Great. actor, yeah. But like, there are a lot of things about his life. I was not aware of. Right. No, that's a great one. Yeah. Right. Um, but no chaos on the bridge. You, yeah, you definitely, you in particular, I know you, be, I mean, Bo should as well if he hasn't seen it, but um, yeah, it's just, and it's, it's really well done. Like I would almost, cool. at first I was almost worried. It was like, okay, so Shatner's directing it. And mm-hmm. it's about the chaos surrounding the the beginning of Next Generation. Is this going to be like a thing where he's going to create this documentary to say, ha ha, look at these guys. You know, they're not as good as my show. But mm-hmm. it's actually it's actually really well done. And it's not it's not that at all. Like it's he's he it look, there's like a genuine sense of. I'm really I'm involved in this tangentially. Um, mm-hmm. cause I used to be on a show. I used to be in all the movies, but it's almost like there's just this genuine curiosity of what the heck happened with the development of next generation. And, you know, obviously it, it got to be very popular and, and it, it got to be, you know, something that catapulted Star Trek into what it is now. What the heck is up with those first few years? Mm-hmm. And it's, it was really good. Cool. Yeah. I, um, I will. I will have to watch that. I'll have to watch that because, it's, like I, I said, I don't, I, just know, looked, I don't know if it's anywhere else right now. It's on uh, Tubi right now. Right, right. I was just, I was, I was just checking Tubi. There you go. And uh, getting that all, getting that all lined up. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Very good stuff. All right. Um, do we have anything else Star Trekky before we start talking about Star Trek Six? Or. I, Lower Decks is coming back. I think it's coming back like this week. Yeah. I, I have not watched Lower Decks. Oh, you need to. I know I do. So yeah. here's the thing. I, I'm that guy that like buys the CBS All Access or the oh, okay. whatever they call it. Yeah. So for a month. So what I'm going to probably do is. Oh, then maybe like, wait, wait till Lower Decks season two is over. Exactly. And then, just and then binge season one and two. Yeah. Right. I'm, I might do that. And then I might wait for Picard two oh, yeah. and Voyager four. Okay. Yeah, I'll see. I'll see when it's all coming out. Maybe one month hit one thing. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of how I roll with uh, how I roll with that. So lower decks is fun. You're gonna. I think you're really gonna like lower decks. Yeah. 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 And just want to give a shout out, like 
any of our listeners, if, if you have a sense of humor, check out the greatest generation podcast and all their greatest generation, deep space nine, greatest generation, um, greatest discovery. And, you know, um, they have specialty one-off episodes. You know, if, if you decide to support the show, the whole thing, it's a fantastic podcast. Yeah. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. It's really cool. And what I've loved is I'm, I've been kind of cherry picking the ones I like and all. Then I went back and started from the beginning and listened through and it's fun to hear them go through it. And they're both camera people, right? Um, are, yeah. They're they, involved. They have some involvement or history with the actual like video production. Yeah. Of, they, they have yeah, a background. Of, yeah. Yeah. And so when they, when they, when these guys talk about it, um, Adam Pranica and Benjamin R. Harrison. And when they talk about stuff like, you know, they, they have a good sense of humor and it's, it, it's, it's not necessarily family friendly. Oh, so no. just, yeah. So, and, and that's by design and that's cool, you know, parents, but then they'll get into talking about that. And then suddenly they'll get really technical about like scene blocking and camera opera. And, and I've picked up a lot of really good, you know, stuff from, from, from listening to that. Some really interesting stuff. So yeah, that's the only other Star Trek thing I got. All right. All right. Well, our movie this time around is the, um, do we want to call it a, a, um, a cold war murder mystery spy intrigue Star Trek movie? Yeah. That's basically what it is. Yeah. Kind of summed that all up there. Oh yeah. 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 I, it's, how would you say it? Allegorical to the yeah. USA, USSR kind of. Yeah. I'd say this is like a fall of the Berlin wall kind of deal. And Oh yeah. 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 Uh, so this one is Star Trek six, the undiscovered country. Um, usually to, to get one to one of our first questions is like, you know, do you remember when you first saw this or is this your first, this is not either of our first time seeing this movie. Um, I actually, I think, I vividly remember this being one of the very first times that just myself and my dad went to a movie like okay. before it would have been like the whole family goes, or I went with another relative or I, something like that. But I remember this being as one that was um, like specifically my dad and I just by ourselves, the two of us went to this one. And I mm-hmm. have a feeling because I was a, I was a, you know, kind of a star Wars, star Trek fan um, at this point. And I have a feeling we might've gone opening weekend because this came out on my birthday. Cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's probably how that all worked out. Uh, so release date was the 6th of December, 1991. That is the day I turned 11. Um, mm-hmm. this was rated PG with a runtime of one hour and 50 minutes. Director for this one was Nicholas Meyer. He did Star Trek two. Um, he did uh, some of the writing for Star Trek Four. He did a movie called Time After Time. Producers were Stephen Charles Jaffe and Ralph Winter. Writers were Gene Roddenberry, who died in 1991, Leonard Nimoy, who died in 2015, Lawrence Connor, Mark Rosenthal, Nicholas Meyer, and Denny Martin Flynn, who died in 2007. Uh, Nimoy had written for a series called In Search Of, and he did Star Trek Four. Connor did Superman Four. Boardwalk Empire, Rosenthal did The Jewel of the Nile, and Mona Lisa Smile. Uh, Meyer did Star Trek II, Star Trek IV, and Time After Time. And for Flynn, this was his only movie writing credit. Cinematography was done by Hiro Narita, 
who did the Time Machine, the 2002 version, and Never Cry Wolf. Uh, editors for this one were William Hoy and Ronald Roos. Hoy did iRobot and the Planet of the Apes movies, the newer ones, and Roos did Serpico and the next Karate Kid. Music was done by Cliff Eidelman, uh, who we were talking, I think, before we even started, that you don't really see, you don't really know too much about this composer. You know, we've had a lot of James Horner, you know, for the other Star Trek movies, and that's kind of what we're used to with that. But um, this one, not a lot of other stuff we've seen, so kind of curious to hear some more of his music. He did uh, One True Thing and The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Budget for this one was $27 million. Box office was $96.8 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 73%, and Cinema Score gives it an A-. Um, there is a, I, and I tried to narrow it down, but there are so many people in this movie that I have a very long list of the actors, so I'm going to read them quickly. William Shatner played James T. Kirk. He was in all the Star Trek stuff and the Twilight Zone. Leonard Nimoy, who died in 2015, played Spock. He was the narrator in the video game Civilization IV, and he was in the TV series Fringe. DeForest Kelly, who died in 1999, played Dr. McCoy. He was in Bonanza. James Doohan, who uh, who died in 2005, played Montgomery Scott. He was in Encounter. Walter Koenig, who played Pavel Chekhov. He was in Babylon 5. Michelle Nichols played Nyota Uhura. She was in the TV show Heroes. George Takai, who played Sulu, was also in the TV show Heroes. Kim Cattrall, who played uh, Lieutenant. I, I have a name that I've kind of made up for her. Yes. Since basically I think of her as like a replacement Savick. Okay. I, I had a couple of different options. I was going to go with, um, uh, since she was in Sex in the City, I was going to go with Savick in the City. Is, <laughs> there is what it is. I was going to call her. Yeah. Or, uh, or or Big Trouble in Little Savick, because that was the other movie she was in. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going with uh, Savick in the City. Savick in the City is good. Big big Trouble in Little Savick, that just... <laughs> there's, there's other ways you could take that. that yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, well, we, had a, we, had a, we had a lot of storms here lately. Did your basement get flooded? No, we're oh. on the top of a hill, so luckily we're good. Okay, all right. Sometimes our basement, sometimes my basement gets flooded here. So. <laughs> yeah. What, I, what are you laughing at? I, I got stuck out in the rain today, so I ended Did up you? all wet. Okay. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of the humor. But, you know. It happens. It can be refreshing. It can be. It, it absolutely can be. Uh, by the way, Mark Leonard played Ambassador Sarek. He died in 1996. He was mm-hmm. in the Planet of the Apes TV series. Um, let's see. Grace Lee Whitney died in 2015. She was the Excelsior communications officer or Janice Rand, who was also in the original series and a lot of other, uh, she showed up in a bunch of the different movies. Um, she was in a TV series called death Valley days. Brock Peters died in 2005. He was Admiral Cartwright. He was in to kill a mockingbird and Soylent green spoiler alert. It's people. Um, and then he was also in DS nine. Wasn't he Cisco's Mm -hmm. dad? Yeah. 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 Uh, Kurtwood Smith played the Federation president. He was in RoboCop and that 70s show. Christopher Plummer, who died just earlier this year, played General Chang. He was in The Sound of Music and Somewhere in Time. Uh, Rosanna DeSoto plays, played Azit Burr. She was in Stand and Deliver and La Bamba. David Warner played Chancellor Gorkon. He was in Titanic and Tron. John Shuck played the uh, Klingon, uh, um, Brigadier Colonel um, Stage Left is what we're calling mm-hmm. him. But uh, technical mm-hmm. name is Klingon Ambassador Camarog, Mash, and Dick Tracy. 
Uh, Michael Dorn played the Colonel Worf, uh, who supposedly is the grandfather of uh, the Lieutenant Worf that we know from Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Dorn was also in Deep Space Nine as Worf and uh, did voices for Superman the Animated Series. Iman, uh, who is the who was the wife of David Bowie, uh, mm-hmm. she played Martia. She was in L.A. Story and Out of Africa. Uh, Daryl Enriquez played uh, Roman ambassador, Roman Romulan ambassador Nanclus. He was in Jumanji and No Way Out. And Rene Aubergeois. Let's try that again. Mm-hmm. Rene Aubergeois. Mm-hmm. There we go. It's because I haven't taken French in a while. Uh, he played Colonel West. He was in MASH and Madam Secretary. He was also in Star Trek Deep Space Nine as Constable Odo. Uh, Did we get uh, the president, the Federation president? Because I didn't yes. realize it was this guy. Yeah, okay. Kurt, Kurtwood Smith from that 70s show and RoboCop. I, I missed that on the list. I was, yeah. I, was, I was thinking through all those lists. Like, I didn't realize that it was that guy until just recently. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Captain James T. Kirk and the crew of the USS Enterprise are carrying Klingon Chancellor Gorkon to Earth to negotiate a peace treaty with the United Federation of Planets. The ship appears to fire on a Klingon vessel, and Gorkon is killed in the subsequent confusion. Kirk and the ship's doctor, Leonard McCoy, are arrested for murder, leaving Spock to figure out who is behind the attack and save the negotiations. <laughs> The Klingon Empire has 50 years of life left to it. To offer Klingons a safe haven within Federation space is suicide. They're animals. Jim, they are dying. You, Captain Kirk, are to be our first olive branch. Me? The galaxy stands at a crossroads. This is the Starship Enterprise. We've been ordered to escort you to your meeting on Earth. Guess who's coming to dinner? I have so... Wanted to meet you, Captain. One warrior to another. Right. On the verge of peace. The undiscovered country. The future. On the brink of war. We come in peace, and you blatantly defy that we haven't fired. According to our databanks, we have. I shall blow you out of the stars. Now, the crew of the Starship Enterprise will not be the instigators of full-scale war on the eve of universal peace. They're coming about. Battle stations. Fights not to win battles. Incoming. Signal our surrender. Captain? We surrender. But to end them forever. We would consider an attempt to rescue them an act of war. There will never be a better time. This is Captain Sulu, USS Excelsior. We stand ready to assist you. This is fun. You do prefer it this way, as it was meant to be. Warrior to warrior. She cannot take much more of it. Cry havoc! Kill! And let's slip the dogs of war! Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Okay, like, let's go watch this. I'm going to watch. This is what I'm watching tonight. (laughs) You know, I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah. 
That's great stuff. Yeah. This, for a good stretch of time, if you had asked me as a kid what's your favorite Star Trek movie, I would have said this one. All right. Yeah. All right. I would have said this one because I've always loved Wrath of Khan. Like, that's always Mm -hmm. been one of my favorite Star Trek movies. But if you had asked me, if this was the year 1992, Mm-hmm. And you said, John, what's your favorite Star Trek movie? I would have said, oh, Star Trek Six, like no doubt. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. for years they had <clears throat> because this was the last movie with the full original cast in it. I remember mm-hmm. they did like a whole thing up in the in the newspaper um, mm-hmm. for this. I actually it was when we had I think we had already moved over to England at this point and they did a whole thing up in the in like the London Times newspaper it had the individual like photos of the different cast members i remember cutting out that article and that was on the little bulletin board i had in my bedroom for like mm-hmm. a really long time um and uh no i <clears throat> the idea cuz the bird of prey was always one of my favorite ships oh too. yeah and yeah. so I had, and it was around this time that in school we had a modeling club. And so you could buy models, take them to this club and you'd put them together while you were there. Nice. Paint, paint them, do all that. So it was kind of around this time that I was, because there had been no new Star Wars, really, I had kind of shifted to being more of a Star Trek fan in the mm-hmm. early 90s. And mm-hmm. then I, I started getting much more into like the original series and obviously Next Generation was out. And then this movie came out, so I was like building all the models of the ships, and I had a I had a model of the bird of prey that mm-hmm. you know you could you know just by kind of pinching your fingers on the back of it, you could make the wings go you know uh, flat like it's just in regular flying mode, or straight down like it's in attack mode. And uh, mm-hmm. but the bird of prey was always my favorite ship. So the idea in this movie of having a bird of prey that could fire when cloaked, I was like, nope, I'm sold. Like that's mm-hmm. that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like how do you even stop mm-hmm. that? So, yeah, yeah, no. This I would have told you back then that this is my favorite Star Trek movie. I have since backtracked a little bit, and it's it's always probably going to be Star Trek Two, um, Wrath of Khan. But right, this one this one probably clum, comes at a very close second for me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so good. What was your gateway into Star Trek? Star, what was what was it was Star Trek Two. Okay. Because I remember watching that as a, like as a really young kid. My dad loved that movie, um, mm-hmm. and we would and he loved to show like he always loved to show us the gross stuff. So he would always show us the scene with all the with the um, the uh, the SETI alpha eels, like crawling into people's ears and everything. Mm-hmm. So that was right. our, and, and he right. always thought that was hilarious. He was going to show us that and gross us out. And um, so I remember watching Star Trek two a lot as a kid. Um, and so that was my that was my gateway into Star Trek, and then after that, um, I vaguely remember Star Trek three, and mm-hmm. I definitely remember Star Trek four. Um, you know, because as a kid, I think Star Trek four might be the most accessible, mm-hmm. even though it's not a kids' movie. The idea of them like going back in time and saving whales and that whole thing mm-hmm. is like that's a little bit more accessible. My kids love that one when I showed it to them a few years ago. Um, yeah, and I remember I remember liking Star Trek five when it came out. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't realize quite what it was until I watched it a little bit later. And then I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. all right. This is not as good as I remember. Um, but you know, I, Star Trek six, I would say Star Trek six is one of the only ones other than Star Trek two. Six is one of the only ones I, I can vividly remember seeing for the first time. 
Mm-hmm. I remember going to the theater with my dad. I remember seeing it there. I remember being blown away by watching this thing in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What about, what about you? What was your first Star Trek? I think my first exposure was the original series. I think I watched okay. that on uh, like reruns syndication. Yeah. My grandmother was big into Star Trek. Yeah. Um, uh, my grandma was bringing a Star Trek and uh, you know, my dad kind of got into it, obviously, you know, kind of probably watching with her and, and all that kind of thing. Um, and uh, so I watched the original series and then I just remember catching clips of the movies, probably three first on on like tv it was like oh a star trek movie and you know as a kid i'm trying to process so how does this fit in is this where does this fall how does it you know and then how come the original series they look so different and for a long time i I didn't because you know i was young it was like okay i didn't realize that william shatner was the same captain right like i thought he was different because in one he looked blonde the other he had dark brown hair and uh, it was it was it was like per- it was curly, right? And so I'm like, oh, that's a different guy. And then it was like, oh no, that's the same guy. You know, I mean, it's it's funny how kids process things. But then I was I was like asking my dad, like, okay, well, there's the show, there's the movie, and he, I mean, broke it down real easy. Well, the, you know, old missions and now the movies and all this, and I'm like, well, why is the ship all beat up? Well, he, well, why does he have to steal the ship? And then I'm like. It's his ship. How is he stealing his ship? Well, it doesn't, it's not like the Millennium Falcon. It's sort of, you know, he's like breaking it down for me. And then Star Trek 2 became kind of like this thing of like, well, how did it get there? Well, that's Star Trek 2. That one's heavy duty. That's got a lot to it. And I was like, oh, can I watch it? <laughs> you know? And he was just like, yeah, maybe. And it was always like, man, maybe when you're a little older kind of thing. Um, and what that's like gasoline on a fire for a kid. And, and so, um, that's kind of was my entryway into Star Trek was the original series and the movies. But what imprinted on me and, and what I'll always go back to is, you know, the look of the bridge, the look of the crew, the look of the uniforms, the soundtrack, the look of the ship from Star Trek two and Star Trek three. Like that will always imprint on me. And I, I remember when my folks went to see the, 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 and my mom was not a Star Trek person, but they went to go see the, you know, the voyage home. Cause like you said, it was more accessible and, and all that. And then I think I, they maybe took me in the theater to see that. And then it was right around that time that I'm like, okay, well they're not on the enterprise. Like what the heck? And I was like, okay, well you need to see the movies. And then I saw two, three and four and they all fell into place. Five I saw in the theater and I was super excited when five came out and, um, you know, went to see it. I had the little magazine with it. I had the movie novelization and blah, 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 blah. And, um, same thing, you know, it, and like I said, it's fun. Go back and check out our star Trek five episode. Um, and now, uh, then when six came out, I can't remember. Cause I think I went with my grandmother for one or both of them. I think I went with her to five as well as six. Um, and maybe both of them, but that was also the age, like, um, you know, I was 13, so I had a bicycle and I was mobile and a buddy of mine and I would always, you know, any of our money that we had, um, either from, you know, a job or whatever, um, we, we'd save our money and we'd, we, a movie theater was within biking distance. So, I mean, you know, we'd, we'd head over to the theater and, and we saw that Star Trek six and yeah, that was like, like I said, that was like wow, this is, this is the real deal. This is pretty good stuff. So that was kind of my, 
thing with Star Trek. And then the other stuff came like next gen. I, I, I wouldn't religiously watch it every week. I, and that's why the first two, three, maybe even four seasons kind of all blend together. Like I don't have any, until I rewatched, I didn't have any continuity of how those all fit together. It was just, you know, later did I, I kind of got into that whole, that whole thing, but yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so this one, we already kind of talked, we'll talk about the music here in a little bit, but we already kind of talked about how this one's much more of a, much more of a serious take than some of the previous ones. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you had a little bit, and you still have comedy in this one because you've still got the comedy. You've got some comedy with Scotty. You've got some comedy with, you know, Kirk and, and Spock and McCoy and all that. But um, yeah. it's much more, I mean, it's a it's a dramatic turn from Star Trek Four. Yes. You know, and that was kind of like smack dab in the middle of all these. I mean, that was that was the last, if you want to consider two, three, and four to be kind of a trilogy, that was the last one in that trilogy. And it was much more lighthearted, much more comedic. Um right. and then you had five, which was a much different take than than four. Um, and then six is its own creature, but I think just because the the subject matter is very political and you know racial and you know all, all the different things you want to read into it or put into it um i think it just you know it lends itself to this is this is a star trek movie that's going to prompt some serious discussions yeah it's still going to have that little humor in there every now and then but you know you're, well, you're still going to have moments of you know she's going to have moments of scotty telling you he knows the ship like the back of his hand um but right. you know it's still well, a very serious it, it, movie yeah, it is. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I was reading up on, and some of the characters like uh, Brock Peters and Nichelle Nichols, they had lines that they're like Brock Peters, when he had to talk about the Klingons and he was describing them in very disparaging terms, they said what I read was that he really struggled saying those lines. Um, and like Nichelle Nichols, there were a couple lines that she was supposed to say that she just flat out refused. Um, and they're they're both the you know they're they're two of the the people of color in the cast and so you know it it's it's uh it's interesting to look back and uh and see that and have you know people having to face their bigotry and face their um face their uh that's what I was going to say, face, face their bigotry and all that. And that, that was kind of the theme of it. Right. You know, that's like, you know, Kirk, like it didn't even occur to me that I should take this guy at his word. You know, it didn't even occur to me that it would, um, you know, that, that he might be just like me on the other side of things, you know, and obviously, you know, you kind of maybe at the time, maybe, at the time, like 1991, what are you going to think back? You're going to think back 30 years. Well, less than that. When was the Cuban Missile Crisis? I want to say, I want to say that the Cuban Missile Crisis to this movie was the same distance that we are to this movie, right? Like it's it's the same thing. It's ni- early 1960s. So, um, you know, that maybe is what they're maybe what they were shooting for was the idea that okay, well, basically you know, Cuban Missile Crisis, there's people in the Soviet Union, they just want to go about their life. They don't want the whole world to blow up. There's people like that over here. Like, let's make sure we get this worked out. 
But then when you look at it now with the 21st century lens, um, suddenly those, you know, those little comments about guess who's coming to dinner and, you know, just some of the, the more, uh, um, bigoted stances, right. Of, of all the sides that maybe has, takes on a a slightly different flair, right. Mm -hmm. It makes you think in different ways, especially, like I said, when you had two of the actors that were people of color that were like, I can't say that line. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not like, I'm, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, it really, it's, it's, it's a pretty compelling, intriguing. It's a very intriguing movie for that, you know, Yeah. in my mind, Yeah. in my mind. So I am just kind of walking through the movie itself, uh, cause there's a lot going on in this movie, but you know, d- just to start off with, you start the movie. I mean, that dramatic scene of you start the movie with, uh, the Excelsior and it's the first time you get to see Captain Sulu, at the helm of the Excelsior, um, and uh, it's, it's kind of a, a, a new and fresh ship for the Federation mm-hmm. that you haven't seen before other than the Enterprise, and then you get the explosion of Praxis. Mm-hmm. And that one, that whole effect, like that that shockwave coming out, then it's like everybody and their brother is like, whoa, yeah, that's what a that's what an explosion in space should look like. That's what it should look like when the Death Star explodes. Yep. That's yeah. what it should yeah. So that was like well, everybody yeah. But we'll have it we'll have it go out on the Y axis, not the X axis, right? right? You know. Because yeah, because we're Star Wars. We don't you know, that's ridiculous. Um which, well, which didn't they then, call it the Praxis effect? Oh, they, I stole called, your thunder, John. No, no, I'm a no. big jerk. No, I'm no, a that's, jerk. I'm no, that's, that's, that was the whole thing is that they, yeah. I'm that, sorry. No, 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 you're fine. Um, that they end up calling it the Praxis Effect. So whenever you see that in a movie and you've got a shockwave coming out like that from some kind of exploding planet or whatever that uh, named after Praxis in this movie. So clearly when they did that, they like added that as some kind of like special effect thing in yeah. their, uh, in their like digital artistry bundles. And, and I think everybody must have just started buying that. Uh, as as an add-on to their, you know, yeah. to their computer programs, they're like, hey, every time we have an explosion, we got to use use that Praxis one. It's the Wilhelm scream. Yes, of explosions. Of explosions. Of space explosions. There it is. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So and kind of and, a, it, and that that and whole it, that whole scene just, you know. It, Every piece about that scene, yeah. from the from the the shaking uh, teacup or coffee mug or whatever it falls on the ground, um, you know Sulu standing up, my God, and then you see yeah. the the shockwave coming, and of course he as a as a former helmsman has the wherewithal, like, turn her into the wave, like turn it, yeah, and we gotta, and yeah. then you know, and then the dramatic lines of you know the stuff like, uh, you know, I, I can confirm the location of praxis i cannot confirm the existence yeah. of praxis and yeah yeah like just that whole thing it's like as a kid as an 11 year old kid watching this in the theater i'm like i need my theater chair to have like seat belts yeah because- i know <laughs> i know you're just like whoa yeah. yeah yeah 
Well, and and the cool thing, and I know we're going to get into the music, but that theme functions so well at the beginning because mm-hmm. the theme is just amazing. And it's, it's one of those that it just builds, it builds, it builds, it builds. So by the end of that theme, you're just like, I mean, it, like all the instruments are playing and everything is, there are rhythms and there's roll offs going in the drums and there's this dramatic theme and, and the accompaniments, there's lots of notes being played and, and it's very, um, there's a lot going on. Let's yeah. just put it that way. And well, what got, is it? You've got, very, it? you've got very long opening credits and you've got like, this is the music kind of playing over those opening credits and it goes on yeah. for quite a while with all the names up on the screen. And yeah. 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 And, and I just want to say thank you so much uh, to the composer for writing such a compelling piece of music. One and two, thank you so much to the producers and the director and everything that give him the time to let that theme sound like, you know, um, and I'll shut up and actually, so we can hear a section of it and stop talking over the bloody thing, you know, but, got a little bit i mean it's a it's a darker more serious theme it's less triumphant i feel like Mm -hmm. than the typical star trek themes that you hear um you know it it's it's got that sense of this is a war movie but it's also a spy movie it's also a it's got a little twinge of it it sounds a little bit like some of those like greek epic movies like Mm -hmm. there's going to be gods and monsters and all kinds of stuff in here and it's very okay well let's do it this way because they they draw on this so much in this movie if shakespeare had music Mm -hmm. like if he composed music to go along with his plays it's very shakespearean like it's got it's got everything that shakespeare would have had in his plays right 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 there you go I mean, it's, I mean, they're working overtime. And that's just your Bang. opening. Yeah. And then explosion. And, and then that's that's what you're open with. Yeah. That's what you hear. Okay. So that's yeah. basically you're treated to, uh, I. it's almost like the soundtrack suite. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's like what happens in like old school movies. That happens in like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I mean, I mean, that's what you get. And then all of a sudden, a moon is exploding. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, Yeah. Do we report this? Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that. I, yes. I, first, that first image, you are just knocked back as soon as the credits are over. 
Yeah. Boom. Explosion. Right. I mean, that's like, you, you don't know what's exploding, but it's like when in the 2009 Star Trek, spoiler alert, when, uh, when Vulcan explodes, mm-hmm. you're, you're like, whoa, did they really just do that? Mm-hmm. Like if you're a Star Trek fan and you know the mythos and you know the, the whole, you know, what Vulcan is and what it symbolizes and how important it is to the Star Trek story and they blow it up halfway through that movie. Right. I mean, it's got kind of the same effect if you're watching this one. Gee, I don't know what the story of Star Trek Six is. Gonna be. Boom. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then right there and like drawing on that, allegory to like what do you get first of all everything is fine obey the neutral zone butt out we've got it we don't need your help it's like the cover-up piece right away which is very much cold war kind of stuff yeah you know whether it's a submarine that went down a ship that sank uh chernobyl Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's uh you know that's very Yes. And it's a, uh, it's a routine training operation. Yeah. Uh, we don't, we don't need any help here. We're all fine here now. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, how are you? <laughs> and, and the funny thing is like, you we haven't, have you the, haven't heard star Wars until you've heard it in the original Klingon. That's right. We have the, the benefit of seven seasons of deep space nine. Yeah. Um, star Trek discovery. Uh, a little bit of Voyager and some of Enterprise that all build the Klingon race into more than just the bad guys, right? That mm-hmm. build them into, and Next Generation. I don't know if I mentioned that. If I didn't, I'm remiss. But they build it into that. Like, we have that whole thing. Back in the day, this is the first time you've seen the Klingons other than basically, I hate to say it, space privateers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, the idea that there was a Klingon ambassador was kind of like, what? In Star Trek Four. So now you're like, oh, there's a chancellor. There's a this. There's a, you know, which is very cool mm-hmm. that you get to see glimpses of that, um, you know, to learn about a little bit about the hierarchy of the government, the culture, and so forth. Yeah, there's there's so much from this movie, you know, as you as you go on. That's all I knew as a kid watching Star Trek is the Klingons are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Like you just know that you just know Klingons are the bad guys. I had started to watch uh, Next Generation before this, mm-hmm. and so I was like, all right, well they have a Klingon, but it's just the one guy, so mm-hmm. they're still bad guys except for that one guy. Um, and then just the idea, and it, that was kind of a tough thing to struggle with as an eleven year old kid. It's like, whoa, hold on a second. All right, so now the bad guys are dying. They don't have much time left, and the bad guys have to, the good guys and bad guys have to get along now? Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem right. Like, that's weird. It it felt, watching this movie, I remember, I even remember, as an 11-year-old, watching this movie, I felt like I was watching a very grown-up movie. Because, yeah. and, and this movie's not designed for kids, but it just, I was watching it. I was like, all right, so who are the bad guys? Mm-hmm. Wait, so the bad guys are also some of the good, as the movie went on, I was like, so wait, some of the good guys are bad guys? And right. some of the bad guys are bad guys, but some of them are good guys? Huh? Right. 
right it's and as a right. kid like that was that was tough to like try to wrap my head around but um you know i think i think this movie in particular does a great job of trying to tackle that and tackle it in such a way so that even like you know an older kid could watch this movie and and get what's going on oh yeah yeah oh yeah i i i definitely think so i mean and and the idea well, and like I said, I'm I'm affected because I've seen however many seasons of all those other shows. But mm. the idea that it wasn't it elevated the Klingons to not just the mindless bad guys. Right. They're not the bad guys. It's just the other side. And it's interesting because. Um, that whole I mean, that was such an a part of that, like that's what kids had been raised with. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like you do the maps and geography and there's still the iron curtain and NATO, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I, I started teaching in 2006. I still had pull down maps that had the USSR in my classroom. Right. Right. <laughs> and so it's, uh, I, I think that would have, yeah, I think that was, that was definitely, uh, uh, very prevalent back then. And, and I think it's still, I still think it holds up now, yep. you know, do um, you, um, Star Trek has kind of always done this, but I know some people are some people are a little iffy on this. Um, do you like your sci-fi to have a message to it? Do you like it when your sci-fi tackles issues like that, or do you just want your sci-fi to be zoom zoom warpy bang bang? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> Well, um, I'm, I'm just saying that. And, and, green, it, and green woman in uh, gray tank taps. Yeah, that's, well, now, now let's hold on a second. Okay, I'm sorry, that's a um, third option. I, I should say, I should say that like, um, you know, if it was true sci-fi, it wouldn't have zoomy or bang because, you know, you don't make noise in space. So I'm just saying. Um, you know what? I really can kind of get into. Hold on, I, I, didn't have, I didn't have the button ready here. You've been Pat Splained. Uh, you know okay, what? Carry I, on. I, I, it's funny, you know, I, I like the, uh, the Zoomy Bang Bang. Uh, I'm thinking of Chitty Bang Bang, <laughs> you know, the Chitty Chitty. You ever seen uh -huh. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, no, I, I like the Zoomy Bang Bang stuff, um, but I like... I like it to be thought, I like sci-fi to be thought provoking as well, you know, and, and now I don't read near enough of it that I should. Um, but like the expanse, mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, uh, Dune. Now I've read the book of Dune. I know that there's other books I got to read. I'm super excited for the new movie. Like that definitely has a lot of, you know, there's a lot of aspects of that that are thought provoking. I like star Trek when, it gets you thinking, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I really do. I, 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 yes. Yeah. Let me, let, I'll be concise for once in my life. Yeah, I do. I kind of, I kind of like that. That being said, and we can get into it. Like I would have loved for this movie to have had an extra 15 or 20 minutes of the combat sequence over Camp Kittimer mm -hmm. yeah, and some kind of firefight on the ground. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, 
I don't want to say anything negative, like, and maybe that's good. I think it was, well, it's an old stage thing, but I know Johnny Carson would say that always leave the audience wanting more. Right. But like, I would have, I would have killed for some kind of extended, you know, uh, uh, combat between the Excelsior, the enterprise and that bird of prey. I thought that would have been cool. I would have liked some kind of, you know, trying to get in to rescue the president and then take out, you know, the sniper. And I would have just, I would have, I, I would have really loved a, a little bit more of that. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, and, and frankly, you've got a neutral site, although it's sitting very close to the Romulan neutral zone, apparently. Um, you've got a neutral site and you've got a lot of distrust and you've got, you know, what their leader was just murdered. And yet, where are all of the other Klingon ships and Federation ships? Right. Like you'd think that <clears throat> if even if it was, I know the, the location is supposed to be a secret, but I have a hard time believing with all the animosity that's built up over the however many years of these cultures that you, you don't show up with at least like your best warship. Right. And then, and then when the Enterprise, you know, comes zooming towards the planet, it doesn't raise some alarms that are like, hey, um, these guys that are supposed to not be here right. are on their way. That was the ship that was there when our chancellor got killed. So there was some of that stuff too. Like, I, not that I want to nitpick on the movie, but there were certain things that, as the last couple times I've watched it, it was like, yeah, this kind of seems to be missing something. Right, and it logistically, a, logistically, I want to see more. Yeah, and and I like what you're bringing up. Like, boy, those are like I didn't even think about that. Like, it would have been nice to have, you know, uh, that or even like I said, even with the bird of prey have them fight back a little bit, have them lob some shots, have them give me a little bit more of what we saw in the wrath of Khan. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be all one-sided. It could be great. You know, um, I mean, can't the, uh, cause the enterprise D they can like send like a spread of photon torpedoes out. Yeah. Like maybe, Ooh. maybe this is the first time the, maybe that's why they develop that ability is the enterprise. Right. The enterprise is fighting this thing. It can't see. So they're like, right. Hey, um, Scotty, we got to figure out a new way to fire the torpedoes. Give me a spread of torpedoes. Yeah. I don't know how to do that, Captain. I will just yeah. figure it out, Scott. You've got like yeah. five minutes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I would I, personally, I would have liked to have seen a little bit of that. And even when they beam down, that being said, the movie is paced real well. And it's like you're not you're left wanting more, not like, OK, can we move it along? Yeah. So I, yeah. I don't want to get too judgmental. And like no. I said, you know, it, it really this movie kind of allows Kirk to still be Kirk. Right. Yeah. Um, and they even kind of say tongue in cheek kind of about that, you know, like he's the one getting into the fist fights. He's the one that jumps and, uh, you know, knocks the guy out of the way before the sniper hits him. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I, and it wraps up nicely and all that. So I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to get too judgmental, but, but I do back to your original question. I do like to have, the message in there. I like it to be kind of allegorical to something that's going on. Um, I think it, it, it has more punch, mm -hmm. right? I feel like the best sci-fi does. Okay. Yeah. What are some of the things that you like to check out? Like as far as that goes? Um, I mean, I even movies like even movies that a lot of people are like, I know it's just a straight up horror movie, like alien. Like there's so much, especially in the first alien movie, well, even in mm -hmm. Aliens, you know, there's mm -hmm. so much in there about, um, you know, 
corporations and how corporations treat their people. And, um, you know, in the first alien, there's, there's so much imagery in there about birth and death and, and just all of that. And, um, you know, and so much of that is brought into this movie too. I mean, the whole idea, I was reading up on, on something that said, um, when Nicholas Meyer was making Star Trek two, he wanted the undiscovered country to be the subtitle for Star Trek two, because Mm -hmm. in um, Hamlet, the undiscovered country is death. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have anything to do with the future and a hopeful future or anything. The undiscovered country is death. And so Nicholas Meyer wanted to use that as the title for Star Trek two, because it was the start of his trilogy of, you know, death, rebirth, all of that. Um, So, you know, even just having some of that imagery in there, um, I'm thinking of, uh, well, I mean, and and then you get some of the other stuff like, um, you know, just, just some of the different arguments about, um, oh, Bicentennial Man. Like, I like that movie. That's a little bit more of like Mm -hmm. a sci-fi kind of comedy drama. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just the, the conversation of, well, what is it? We're not saying there's necessarily right or wrong, but what is it that makes us human? Like, mm-hmm. what constitutes a human being? If this robot strives to be, you know, even though he was created artificially, if he strives to be human, if he makes himself more human, if he replaces all of his robot parts with synthetic human parts in the end, and if he has the capability of dying, does he then become human? I mean, like, just having starting conversations like that. Yeah, um, you know the well, the whole idea you get in like Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the whole mm-hmm. idea of like cloning. Even though that's a kids cartoon, like they touch on the idea of like what's the morality behind cloning, um, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, yeah I, I I like a good uh, I like a good message in my sci-fi. Well, and uh, how about Galactica? Battlestar Galactica. Well, I'm singing I'm singing the old old theme, but yeah. you know, you know. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, we've been rewatching that too. We just finished the first season again. That's cool. We just finished the first season for like the fourth time. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I I agree. I I like it when there's a message in there. I really, I found it interesting. I was reading that when Kirk and Spock were going back and forth, you know, and he says to him. And, and we have to talk about this part too. What made the cut for the version that we watched? Yeah. Um, but there was supposed to be a scene. Let them die. Yeah. And then he was supposed to after kind of shake his head like, I didn't mean that. Yeah. But they cut that out. That was the, yeah, I guess William Shatner was not happy with Nicholas Meyer for that. Like he, he, he's like, all right, I'm going to deliver this line, but like you need to make sure on camera you see me make a gesture that's like no nah, I didn't really mean to say that. And then, yeah. and they cut it out and he's like that's not what we talked about. Yeah. yeah. I I I got to be honest with you there was a lot in the in the trivia that said Nicholas Meyer who was doing a lot of that. Yeah. I I was kind of like, "Oh. Um Yeah. Which I mean, you getting at the getting at the message of the movie, I think he's right. Like I think you I think you have to cut it at that point and you kind of you know, in a way, and I can see how William Shatner wouldn't be thrilled about this, but the whole movie is about, you know, the, the old guard and their old prejudices and they're, they're charging towards a new world. And, you know, 
Gorkin even says it, you know, Captain, our generation is the one that's going to have the hardest time with this. Right. And so and I uh, think you have, you have to have Kirk in that moment. Like you almost have to have Kirk be kind of a jerk in, mm-hmm. in a good portion of this movie. He's got to be Captain James T. Jerk. And, mm-hmm. you know, he has to, I think he has to deliver that line, let them die. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, if he's like, no, 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 never mind, I, I didn't, I didn't mean to say that. But you need him for for the whole assassination attempt and the cover up and the everything else. You need him to still have that that anger and hatred towards the people that killed his son. Yeah, and the only thing that kind of weakens it is, <sighs> I hate to say it because I don't want to rip on it, but Star Trek Five. Because you see a little bit of the detente with him and the Klingon crew, and he knows General Cord and respects right. General Cord, and it, that when you look back on that, that's kind of like, well, you guys got along there. Right. But if you look at if you look at what happens in the third Star Trek or the first Star Trek or any of the you know uh, uh, original series, like. Uh, then you can really make the case for that where dude, it's just been open hostilities. So, I mean, that's the one unfortunate thing about the, the fifth movie, you know, that, that just kind of weakens this one just a little bit is that you have that, you know what I'm saying? You have a break where, well, yeah. he was kind of, he could buddy buddy with that, you know? Right. Um, but yeah. And, and it was real. And I remember that as a kid too, you'd see their reactions, you know, like we're going to dismantle our, space stations were cutting down, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they were like, visibly like, wait, what? You know, which is the same thing, whatever you hear about, like any of the nuclear disarmament treaties or, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, But then the one guy starts, you know, Admiral Cartwright starts talking about, you know, they're going to become the alien trash. And then suddenly McCoy's looking at him like, whoa, hold on, you know. Um, It it got to like awkward Thanksgiving dinner kind of levels of. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like, oh, well, see, I had some opinions, but my opinions weren't like that far. Yeah. Yeah. I well, and they I, even they I, even put. The, I, I watch I watch this news channel, but I don't go to that website. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, here we go. <laughs> we just lost half our viewers. Yeah, we did. Um, uh, so, um, well, and they even had the line in there, like, "Hey, you know, I would have, you know, I thought like Lieutenant Valeris, I, you know, but they don't, uh, um, they don't, they don't lock you up for having feelings, right? You know, which is." you know, is an interesting play on things. What did you think of the line when he says, Hey Spock, we're only human. I find that, um, I find that insulting, insulting, you know, and it's sort of like, okay, we're all human. So it's like, it's a play on, Hey man, we're only human. We're only doing the best we can. If you could only hear yourselves. Well, see now that one was interesting too. (laughs) That one, the very term is racist. Right. So, you know, are they talking about, I guess now what we would call, is, is that supposed to be drawing attention to like microaggressions? You know, is that, is that kind of what we would call now that, you know, yeah. like, hey, listen to how you're speaking, you know? Yeah. Well, and that, and that, 
based on the conversation they're having when I think his checkoff says, you know, we believe that everybody has inalienable human rights. Right. And they're like, if you could only hear yourselves by the very name is racist. And that, but then they kind of go into, you know, the Federation, everybody knows the Federation is a homo sapiens only club, you know, present company accepted, of course. And they look over at Spock and I'm like, um, did you, have you watched Star Trek four? Yeah. And yeah. like, there's a bunch of different aliens that are there. Right. Um, and obviously they hadn't made it at this point, but it's like, if you, if you watch Star Trek enterprise, you know, there's mm-hmm. a whole building of a bunch of different races right. that are not human, um, you know, by the Federation. And so I, some, some of that conversation in the dinner scene, when that kind of starts to head that direction, I was like, I, I'm with you up until that point. But then you, then when you start saying, well, the Federation is a homo sapiens only, I'm like, well, no, it's really not. Well, I get the point. I get the point she's trying to make or that they're trying to make about, you know, you got to get over the careful of the vocabulary you use when you say things like human rights, you know, that might not be right in fitting See, with what you're trying to say. Human rights. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, exactly. And, and so I thought it was, that, that was what she was saying. I thought that was interesting, but then also that just shows it's not like all oh, the Klingons are all a hundred percent. Right. I mean, right. you know, you'll always hear that, like whatever side you're going to, is they're going to show you propaganda of all the bad things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, I know that, you know, you'd hear like uh, much of the propaganda that was shown about the West, the decadent West, right? Right. Um, it, it showed uh, race riots and yeah. it showed um, the civil unrest and violence and all, you know what I'm saying? Like it right. showed those things to say, hey man, the West is decadent. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, and, and every, that whole propaganda thing, that's nothing new and it's not just one side does it and, and right. all of that. But uh, cause I want to say the conversation goes that he says, we know where this is going, the extinction of our race. Mm-hmm. And then I, McCoy's uh, extinction, extinction of our culture of our culture. Yeah. That's not true. No, really. And then it's sort of like, well, he kind of has a point. Cause in the big meeting, the one guy was just like, bring him to their knees. Yeah. Take them down, yeah. you know, bring him to their knees. Uh, and then we're in a much better position to negotiate terms or to dictate terms right. or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it really, I, I think it's a pretty, I mean, I don't know. I think the dialogue is, is good. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's not overly cheese ball and it, you know, well, I, I think it's how that would go. Right. And, and that dinner scene is so much fun to watch. It's so uncomfortable to watch, mm-hmm. but it's also, it's also kind of funny, you know, knowing yeah. the history of these two races and how they've been at war with each other and then watching them like awkwardly try to sit down and have dinner with each other. Yeah. Well, and then it's funny when he's just like, we need breathing room. Yeah. He says, you know, we Earth, need breathing Hitler, room. 19, 1938 and yeah. Spock's like, just shoots uh, him this look. like, did you just, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say like these characters inhabit their roles and these, like the, the ones they brought in for these are so good. Leonard Nimoy should have gotten a best acting or a best supporting or a best whatever for this. I mean, the way he, the, the way he brought Spock's character out where it's just matter of fact, solution focused. I mean, just, I, I love to hear all the, we need to solve the crime 
and the way he delivered those lines, but also his humor is so well done. Even his cheesy lines. I've, I've been it, dead once before. It's very liberating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it's so good. And none of his lines clang. I got to be honest with you. There were a couple lines in there that kind of clunked for me. Okay. Which ones? Yeah, I, well, um, the whole listening outpost. Yeah. Right. I, I, I mean, I was kind of like, uh, okay, like I, I get it. We're going for the ha ha kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But even Nichelle Nichols didn't want to do that. She's like, well, that's my character should be able to speak mm-hmm. this language. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, what else? What else was there? I mean, none of the stuff, like all the stuff, you know, when they're, you know, when they're having the fight and everything in the, in the prison camp, that was all good. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think some of the, some of the, oh, Chekhov, like a lot of his things, he was kind of the comic relief. Yeah. You know, why don't they just vaporize them? And then they shoot the pan and there's the mashed potatoes. I mean, that was funny. I, which I'm kind of convinced that that's when they went to replicators. Yeah. Because the kitchen staff was like, they're shooting at us. They're really shooting at us. <laughs> they're really <laughs> shooting at us. Uh, there you go. Good uh, good pull from your favorite movie there. Yeah. Um, um, what was the other one? Oh, perhaps you've heard Russian epic Cinderella, if the shoe fits. And it's just like, that was funny. I, I don't want to say that that kind of clanged, but just some of the characters were kind of played up for a little bit of comedy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where I think Spock's character had it, and it was more, it it, it landed perfectly. Like mm-hmm. all his innuendos, all his jokes, it just there wasn't too much cheese ball in it. Um, and you know, it's the '90s, and that seems, in my mind, that seems to be kind of a '90s thing where you, even if it's not a comedy esque movie, you're going to put the silly stuff in there mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah and 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 there was just there was just some silly in here and again i'm not gonna pan the movie yeah. hey it's it's all good um i'm wondering I, if there's i'm wondering if there's stuff about uh nicholas meyer that we don't know because there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of references to feet like does he have a thing for feet uh, he might have a thing for feet you know there's the the cinderella thing that you mentioned uh, there's obviously the gravity boots that we have to, yeah. you know, yeah. to figure out who's doing it. The games afoot, Chang mm-hmm. yells that when they're, you know, going into battle and uh, yeah. the whole thing about the, the sabo. Like, yeah. There's a lot of foot stuff in here. There is. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm just going to say too, General Chang, great villain. Yeah. That's great. And I when mean, he how, just... how many other times do you get a Klingon that's, you know, spouting Shakespeare as he's going into battle? Oh, I know. And, and I mean, like, I'd, I'd pay good money if he'd shut up, but yeah. Well, and then when he, when he goes, when he first meets Kirk and he's just like, you know, he's just not letting him with anything. Hey, that's okay. Hey, we're all yeah. warriors here, yeah, buddy. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just like, Ooh, I so wanted to meet you one warrior to another. Yeah. And then Kirk, <laughs> Kirk has that line. It's like, I almost, when I hear it, I hear it as Dr. Evil going, right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how to take that, you know? Yeah. Um, no, but the, and it's interesting what they put in and what they took out. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like Scott, 
Mr. Scott, they took in the version we watched, which is the DVD, which is different than the VHS and different than the theatrical. I think the theatrical didn't have it. The VHS did have it. And the DVD didn't or the DVD had it and the Blu-ray didn't or whatever the heck it is. But Scotty was like that Klingon B didn't shed one tear for her father. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then Mr. Spock's follow up is, well, it's hardly conclusive. They don't have tear ducts. Yeah. You know, and so I, I just, I, I really liked how Spock's character functioned in this movie and Leonard Nimoy, like I said, just brought it, yeah. you know, like, Hey, you can get upset, but there's, there's a reason for this. Yeah. You know, so I, yeah, I, I just so good. Oh, let's see. Um, was there anything else? I, we've kind of talked through some of the some of the bits and pieces, the whole murder mystery aspect of it. Um, oh, yeah. The one thing I did want to mention is, you know, especially, I don't know, even just watching it the last couple of times. But I, I, it still like clicked for me as a kid that it something was off. The whole, well, especially now having had more Star Trek. Where they, like you said, with the Klingons, you get to find out more about their culture, their everything else. But also having had more Star Trek and you find out more about Vulcan culture and Vulcan history. That, oh. that whole scene where he kind of does the, oh, the, the forced yeah. mind meld uh, yeah. with Savick in the city. Um, yeah. Like, that's uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Thank you, Kim Cattrall, for a, like, a capital A acting performance. Yeah. I mean, when she's screaming there, like, I'm like... Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, because especially, and it makes it—I mean, it makes it even more awkward when you when you get into like Enterprise, where they—and I don't know how much of Enterprise you've watched. Have you whole watched thing. the whole thing? Okay, mm-hmm. so you get into Enterprise, and it's the whole idea of you know the mind meld is like it's it's almost like a it's almost like an intimate thing, like very very much more intimate than you know we're talking intimate with a capital I. Um, mm-hmm. And when you get that kind of sense of, okay, well, I know that's years later and, and, you know, it was made years later, but it's supposed to have happened before all of this. And then you get the sense that, okay, well, for Vulcans, this mind meld, like they don't just walk around doing mind melds, you'll, you know, just for the fun of it. Um, it's kind of a big deal. So when he does that on, and you just, you see everybody's reactions as she's crying and starting to just sob out loud. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm feeling kind of uncomfortable just watching this, knowing kind of what's implied by what's happening here. Well, and it was basically, it was torture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in well, a way. Well, torture, but then, I don't know, part of me is like, yeah, it's even a little bit more than torture. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's and well, that watch, I, watching it the last couple times I've watched it, because I watched it a couple years ago. I watched it about a year ago, and then I watched it again just this last week. And the last couple times I've watched that scene in particular, like that scene's hard to watch. Yeah. Like they're, they're not screwing around. Yeah. You know? Um, and I was like, part of me in the back of my mind is like, ah, would, I know that there's no other way around it. Mm-hmm. Would Spock have really have done that? <sighs> but knowing that like the future of the galaxy galaxy is at stake, Probably yes. I guess it would be the logical thing to do, but I don't know. I it, it, there is that part. Like I, I think I'm 
It's the Luke Skywalker in the Revenge of the Second movie or the Eighth movie where he draws the. Okay, spoilers. New Star Trek or yeah. Star Wars. You know. The rent, whatever the whatever the the eighth one was that like people got angry about. Yeah, Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. It's the Luke. This is basically the Luke Skywalker thing. You know, there were things in there. It's like, would Luke Skywalker have done that? Yeah. Would Spock have done that? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and that's I. I don't know. I think you know. Like they said, no, all press is good press, right? It it gets us talking about it. Is this character, did this go in the direction we thought, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, that's. I don't know. But, but scene, you're right. That's that, a, that that's a, hard to watch. That's, it is. Yeah. It is. Well. Oh, no, she gave the she gave the confession. Okay, because I was like, and then they basically called Sulu and got what they needed. No, he couldn't have said who all was involved in it. Right, right. They got the location because she didn't know the location. Right. So they got the location from Sulu, but they got the names of the co-conspirators from her. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, yeah. You know what? And now that you're talking about it, it would have been cool. I'm going to do some Deep Space Nine ruining here, okay, everybody? Deep Space Nine. Did you, you remember the ones where it's Paradise Lost, where the changeling makes it to Earth? Yeah. And then the Defiant comes, but they've got the uh, one ship trying to go out and prevent it from getting close? Yeah. That would have been something cool if Excelsior and Enterprise had come in together and, you know, one of them ran cover for the other, mm-hmm. you know, Guys, loyal. I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to rewrite the movie too much because that's yeah. not, yeah. you know, because like I said, it's it's one of those things. Suddenly, the less is more. Right. Um, I kind of went off on a tangent. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Sorry. My brain is just racing all different aspects of this movie. But uh, yeah. yeah, that scene, jarring, challenging. Yeah. All those things. Uh, well, before we wrap up, is there anything else? Anything else, music wise? Anything else you want to make sure we mention about? Well, just like I said, just all the cool throw throw outs to other movies. I mean, the prison, uh, Rura Pente named, well, the same as the the prison uh, island in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And the speech the guy made Mm -hmm. um, was the same one as in um, Bridge on the River Kwai. Yeah. So that was cool. All of Chang's stuff is cool. Um, You know. The, the 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 assassination where the blood floats out, you know, mm-hmm. that was a yeah. little bit jarring. It was like, oh, I thought laser weapons just burned you. Okay. Yeah. I, Nora was in the living room when I was watching it, and she's like, ugh. Yeah, which, again. <laughs> and, I, and I think Sharon walked in there like, oh, they have Pepto-Bismol for blood. Yeah. <laughs> which is how they kept it away from the R rating. Right. right. Which I'm just going to say, it's not PG-13. Which, which is also why the Klingons don't get indigestion when they eat their food. Exactly. You know? And I'm just going to say, parents, I'm not trying to tell you how to parent. I'm just saying the rating system does some good. But obviously, if they change the color from purple to red, mm-hmm. okay, um, and that jumps it from a PG to an R, it's kind of like, okay. So I'm just saying. I I don't know what I'm just saying, but I just find that I find that with the rating system, you know, I just find that curious. Yeah. 
I find that curious. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great stuff. Great movie. Christian Slater. Nice. Yeah. That was cool. I remember the audience all reacted when he showed up. It was like, like what? He's, he's into Star Trek. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. Oh man. Great movie. Fantastic Um, movie. I I did look up. I was just kind of curious, so I I did look up real quick. Our so I maybe Star Trek is now the the movie franchise that we've covered most on this podcast. Um yeah. we've so now this one is Star Trek 6. Um mm-hmm. if you jump back to episode 273 of ours, mm-hmm. we did Star Trek 5. Yes. If you jump all the way back to episode number 66, we did Star Trek 4. Yes. And then if you jump all the way back to episode number two, um, which is the first, because our first episode got lost with all the audio troubles. Um, mm-hmm. So the first episode of our show that's available um, is, I want to say the day or a day or two after Leonard Nimoy died. Um, right. I was waiting in the car to pick up my wife from somewhere. And I think I recorded, I just like sat in the car and recorded uh, yeah. an episode on Leonard Nimoy and Star Trek three. Yeah. So that's so episode two, episode sixty six, and episode twenty three. If you want to go find in our show where we've covered the other ones, best of both worlds, and best our next generation worlds, yeah. uh, retrospective can go in there as well. Yep. Yep. So. So all kinds of good Star Trek stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, are you Are you ready for? You haven't experienced three questions until you've experienced it in the original Klingon. But are you ready? for Yes. It? I, I, my soul is prepared, Dr. Jones. I, and frankly, that would be awesome. Like I'd be impressed with myself if I had translated the three questions in the Klingon, but. <laughs> that would be amazing. I, question one. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just, I had something in my throat that was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, three questions. Um, let's let's see. I did actually. I did find a Klingon translator here. Oh. See if this is going to work or not. I can't even pronounce that. I don't even know how to say that. Like they need a pronunciation guide with this too. Mm-hmm. All right, so question number one, if I'm butchering the Klingon, and I know there's people out there that actually know Klingon, and they've learned Klingon, yeah. and they've like gone through the, du- oh, yeah. the Duolingo you know, Klingon course. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so if I tried this, I would completely butcher it. But the, the translation I got, and again, this is probably like when you use Google Translate for actual real languages, and it comes out terribly. Mm-hmm. Um, question number one. Gachvad, trachvam, nuch, ach. Or translated into English, what's your favorite of the Nicholas Meyer Star Trek movies? Wrath of Khan. Okay, that's gonna be mine too. Yeah, this one is a very close second. Yeah, but and I love the one. I love four. I love the one with the whales too. But 
I, it's got to be Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Right. Right. All right. Okay, that one was easy. Yeah. Okay. All right, number two, what Shakespeare line would you use as your Klingon battle cry? Let's say you, um, you are you are the commander of a bird of prey or a battle cruiser, whatever you want, and uh, you're you're charging into battle. What's what's your what Shakespearean line are you going to use as your battle cry? Yeah, so I mean, and again, it's sort of like you want it to be. I mean, there's one that hell is empty and all the devils are here. Hmm. That's a good. I I think Klingons would use that one. I like it. It doesn't apply sort of like uh, cry havoc and let's slip the dogs of war, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But, you know, um, these violent delights have violent ends. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I, I'm not going to say that because the innuendo. <laughs> you know what? It'd just be fun is something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Like, that would just be a fun bad. That would just be funny. All right, guys, here we go. Something's rotten in the state of Denmark. You know, like, that would be, that would be fun. Uh, But, yeah, I think I'll slip with that. There are, you know, hell is empty and all the devils are here. Okay. What do you got? What do you got, John? I've got, um, I always thought this was a great line anyway. But when I, when I looked at it, I was like, not only is this a great line, this is also a paraphrase of it is a good day to die. Okay. So I'm like, well, this one's perfect then. So you found it. <clears throat> so so picture this being translated. So this is like when you get the Shakespeare books that like in on one page it's Shakespeare and on the other page it's the modern English. Right. So you get it right. translated for you. So so the modern English version is Worf saying, Perhaps today is a good day to die, kind of a thing. Right. The Shakespearean version is from Henry the Sixth, part three. And it is, sound trumpets, let our bloody colors wave, and either victory or else a grave. Yeah, there it is. It's a little long, a little wordy, but it basically means perhaps today is a good day to die. You, you could fit it to a rhythm and like have it be a... Oh, you totally could. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, a, like Klingon, a song. Klingon drinking song. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, question number three, last question. Would you rather serve under Captain Kirk or Captain Sulu? Oh, yes. I mean... Captain Kirk, like, you know, he's the Star Trek captain, yeah. right? He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, like, I want to see Sulu bust a move a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. He was definitely portrayed as competent and experienced and, well, he'd been captaining the ship for three years, but, I mean, he really showed well. Like, I could see, you know, going under his flag as well. Yeah. I might say Sulu. Mm-hmm. Just because I kind of feel like, hmm, I kind of feel like Kirk is uh, Kirk is going to charge into places where maybe he shouldn't go, mm-hmm. and I feel like if you're on Kirk's ship, you kind of just have to expect that you're you have a very high chance of dying. Yeah, especially if yeah. You're, especially if you're like Scotty's nephew. Yeah, if you're wearing one of the red shirts. If, if you're a red shirt, and that's another question: um, Is it only red shirts on on the Enterprise that die? Because, I mean, like, if you're a... Well, now they're all red shirts at this point. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, back in the original series, if you were on a different Federation ship and you were a red shirt, did you have as high a probability of dying as you did as a red shirt on the Enterprise? Or is that just because you were on Kirk's ship? Yeah, I that's a good point. So... Cut us and do we not bleed? Right. I, I kind of feel like that uh, you might be a little safer. Uh, you might survive longer on Sulu's ship. 
That could be, man. We got it. I'm sure it's somewhere out there. We should Google yeah. life expectancy Star Trek, you know, yeah. USS Enterprise. Yeah, just find that out. Right, versus the Excelsior. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, that's it. That's all I got for the three questions. Oh, it is, man. That was kind of, that, it was, went that to, was speedy. We went warp speed on that one. Yeah, we were, we were rocking it. Yeah. yeah, this movie went too fast. What a great well, movie. Yeah. Um, one thing I did not mention before, but you know, I could just mention briefly now. Um, do you, so I'm curious, do you subscribe to what I have heard regularly? And I, really, when you kind of take a look at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it, it kind of lines up. Um, do you subscribe to the theory about the quality of the evens versus the odds? <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, I hear what they're saying. I liked Star Trek three. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't like, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I didn't see what all the n- negative stuff was about. Um, and I mean, the motion picture, I think what it was trying to do, maybe didn't hit with as much punch as the later movies, but mm-hmm. I think it was well done. I think the movie was like well executed. It just didn't have the zip yeah. Star Trek five. There, there was some stuff that was problematic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, do the ones I tend to rewatch and enjoy are more from the even than the odd? Yes, exception Star Trek Three: Search for Spock, and I'm thinking of the original crew because Generations I thought was a fun movie. Same thing, like it, it was cool. It was a a neat handoff. That's what they were trying to do. It was interesting to see basically an episode of Next Generation juxtaposed with. Um, um, what am I trying to say? The original crew. Original crew yeah. so, so that was, that was kind of interesting. Um, but I didn't mind seven. And then all the Star Treks after, uh, um, not insurrection. What's the one? Nemesis. First contact. First I contact, thought first yeah. contact was, was very good. Yeah. Um, well, and, but and, like, that's, and that's not to say that the evens are like the evens are good and the odds are bad. Right. I think it's just, I think most, for anybody who kind of subscribes to that, and and as I've watched through the movies again and and thought about it, I'm like, well, actually, it kind of fits with my preferences. That it's you just yeah. there's a little bit of a higher quality, or they're better received. Maybe the evens are than the odds. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I. You know what? Let's say it this way. You know, have you ever heard of the Russian epic Cinderella? If the shoe fits, wear it. I guess that's what we say with this. You know, yeah. like, hey, yeah. If the evens are firing on all cylinders, yeah, we can we can subscribe to it. I'm just not going to like write like a movie term paper and all that because oh, yeah. you know I like the I like the odd ones too. Right, right. So, all right, all right. Well, that's going to do it for the thirty something movie podcast this time around. There it is. Uh, so, thank you once again for joining us for Star Trek Six. Like I said, if you want to go back to some of our old episodes. And check out when we did Star Trek 5, Star Trek 4, Star Trek 3. Um, it's episodes 273, 66, and 2. And then we also had the ones in there. We did the Next Generation one. I think we did that one in 80. It was, would have been 2017. So it was back. It would have been 1987. So it was 2017. And then I think last year we did Best of Both Worlds. Was yep. that one. Yeah. So. so we got a lot of Star Trek stuff. If you're a Star Trek fan, we got plenty of Star Trek stuff out there for you. Um and uh, a whole neutral zone worth of stuff for you to play around with and listen to. 
Um, oh, yes. So head over to our website if you want to check out more of those things, 30podcast.com. We're at 30podcast on most of the social media stuff. Uh, if you've got some comments, we'd love to hear from you. Twitter, Facebook. Um, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do that on our website as well. There's a little voicemail button when you go there. Uh, so check that out. We'd love to hear from you. Um, our uh, We are, so, like we said before, we're sponsored by Scene Stealers. So if you want to check out the other shows in their podcast network and check out the folks that they've got that you can bring to your convention or event, over to scenestealersglobal.com. And then our next episode's coming up. Um, we have got, the for the last one of this month, we've got Suburban Commando uh, <laughs> is coming up to finish off August for us. And then September, we've got our Patreon is My Dinner with Andre from 81. <laughs> we've got Jungle Fever, White Fang, Dead Again, Frankie and Johnny, Beauty and the Beast. October, our Patreon is going to be Evil Dead from 81. And then Silence of the Lambs, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, Sleeping with the Enemy, and The People Under the Stairs. So we got lots and lots of good stuff coming up for you over the next couple of months or so. Um, but uh, that's that's going to do it for this one for us here. So thank you once again, Patrick. Thank you, John. This was uh, a lot of fun. Great movie to talk about. All right. I'm going to go listen to it. It's, it's a little late, so I don't know if I'm going to start Star Trek Six again, but I may at least go listen to a few songs in the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's fire that up. All right. Well, um, I, I am going to end us with our typical be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies, but I feel appropriate to this one as well. I'm going to say second star to the right and straight on till morning. Classic. <laughs>